0: is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.35pm Central Daylight Time. It's the 25th of March 2020. This is episode 221 of Bitcoin and it's late. Yeah, I know. I get it, dude. It's I'm like way late. Why? Well, shared an office with my wife now that she is having to teach everything from home, so it's throwing the entire schedule like completely out of freaking whack. Do I mind? No, it's just different. We're all trying to deal with this whole COVID <coughs> thing. As best we can, even though, come on, we're not all gonna die. So don't, you know, take my word for it. <clears throat> but let's go ahead and get this thing rolling on, bro. We got an Ethereum thing here. This is out of decrypt.co. This is Will Heisman writing sometime today that Ethereum 2.0 audit reveals potential weakness. Gee, who could have freaking guessed? ETH 2.0 has passed an initial audit with flying colors, however. The review highlighted two attack vectors that could prove troublesome for developers. You think the highly anticipated Ethereum 2.0 upgrade has successfully passed an audit of its framework and code base. However, while the review generally approved the design, some potential potential attack vectors remain. The auditor, security consultant, leased authority... praised ETH 2.0 for its well-thought-out specifications, placing a particular emphasis on its comprehensive security designs. ETH 2.0 will be among the first proof-of-stake networks to employ sharding. Uh right, You want to know... Okay, I'm gonna, Here's an aside. You want to know who invented that freaking term, sharding? It was the guy that developed the game Ultima... The, Ult, the, the Ultima series which culminated in the last thing, which was Ultima Online. Um, Oh, God, was it? Oh, God, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, But he's been using, he was the one that invented sharding. And he did it, or it it wasn't just him. It was his team came up with this thing where they had multiple instances of the same world that you could get into depending on where, what your ping rate was, or rather, uh, if you just happened to like the particular people on a, on a particular shard, you could, you know, get into that particular shard. I used to pick my shards for one reason and one reason only on Ultima online that is. And that was either, that was either for the ping rate, uh, and the, and, or whether or not they allowed certain rules. Okay. So anybody who thinks that sharding is like something that uh, Vitalik invented, you are wrong. You are wrong. It wasn't Vitalik. It it was the guy behind Ultima Online. That's the guy that that had the whole concept of sharding. But be that as it may, it these people in this or uh, Decrypt has it uh, defined such as this a partition partitioning technique devised to spread the load of the Ethereum blockchain. As such, while ETH 2.0 may have passed the initial ACID test, the lack of a comparable sharding system proved to be a challenge for least authorities audit. Quote, since no other large-scale implementations of a proof-of-stake system currently exist in production, auditing the Ethereum 2.0 specifications presented our team with certain challenges and made this review particularly interesting, reads the report. While the review was optimistic in the main, the auditor did highlight some attack vectors arising from vulnerabilities in the block prosper, oh my God, sorry, proposer mechanism and the peer-to-peer networking layer. However, the report caveats that review was based on a specification rather than a coded implementation implying that the aforementioned attack vectors Were theoretical rather than a than particular to ETH 2.0. Nevertheless, Ethereum developers working alongside least authority conceded the need for further review. It's only six months out, guys. It's only six months out. ETH 2.0 will have a staggered six phase launch. Oh my God. After a few false starts, phase zero is tentatively set for launch in July. Yeah, good freaking luck. Giving devs a few months to iron out any remaining snags. (laughs) Again, good freaking luck. And of course, we'll just dive on into this one. Federal court judge grants temporary injunction against Telegram. So anybody following the telegram saga let's dive into this one judge sides with the sec and says that telegram's upcoming crypto is likely a security it's barred from distributing grams the currency for its ton blockchain network until trial this is amy castor again writing for decrypt.co this was done yesterday a federal judge Today, sided with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission against Telegram and granted a preliminary injunction in the social network's $1.7 billion initial coin offering. In an opinion and order filed on Tuesday with the New York Southern District Judge, Judge P. Kevin Castle found that the SEC had shown substantial likelihood. Of success in proving that telegrams present plan to distribute grams is an offering of a securities under the howey test <laughs> you think the howey test is a de facto test created by the supreme court for determining whether certain transactions qualify as investment contracts <clears throat> in 2018 telegram raised 1.7 billion dollars in an ico in exchange for a promise to deliver 2.9 billion gram tokens to 175 wealthy investors who later would resell those tokens to the public for a handsome profit. Telegram argued that uh, that agreement was lawful under a private placement of securities covered by Regulation D-506C exemption. It sold Grams under a so-called Simple Agreement for Future Tokens or SAFT, which is an investment contract designed to provide a compliant alternative to an ICO. And all that is, is just language bullshit. It's the same thing. Sorry, but it is. The SEC argued in October that the token sale for the Telegram Open Network, or TON blockchain, was illegal because Grams constituted securities under U.S. law and sales of securities have to be registered with the agency. Telegram has disputed that claim, but agreed to hold off launching the network until the case is resolved with the SEC, which it probably never will be. That was me. Sorry. I I know I do that. I I can't help it. Whatever. Telegram has argued that the original agreements with the purchasers were indeed securities, but it said that a secondary sale of grams to the public, which would happen after it launched on, would be unrelated and not securities. Oh, for... The SEC saw things differently and has been fighting to stop the issuance of Grams. On October the 11th, the SEC secured a temporary injunction to halt the launch of Ton, which was originally slated for the end of that month. Grams could not actually exist until the blockchain launched, by the way. And since then, the agency has been pushing for a permanent injunction. Today, the SEC moved... One step closer to securing that permanent injunction, quote, considering the economic realities under the Howey test, the court finds that in the context of the scheme, the resale of grams into the secondary public market would be an integral part of the sale of securities without a registration statement, Castell said. He went on to write that, quote, Telegram knew and understood that reasonable purchasers would not be willing to pay $1.7 billion to acquire grams merely as a means of storing and transferring value instead telegram developed a scheme to maximize the amount initial purchasers would be willing to pay by creating a structure to allow these purchasers to maximize the value they receive upon resale to the market dude this is a security i'm sorry it just is it's an it's a security Whatever, an injunction prohibiting the delivery of Grams to the initial purchasers and thereby preventing the culmination of this ongoing violation is appropriate and will be granted, end quote. Though Castell's courtroom is closed due to the the general quarantine, his ruling had been expected before the end of next month due to a clause in the purchase agreements Telegram issued for Grams if the Ton network hadn't launched by April the 30th, which was the new date the social network had set for the launch of its blockchain, investors could be entitled to get all their money back. If it wants, Telegram can appeal the injunction and take this to trial. (laughs) That'll be fun. It certainly has the funds to do so, but no coiner David Gerard doesn't think that will happen. As he wrote in his blog, quote, they could give up and give all the money back to the investors as the SEC wants, though they've already spent quite a bit of it but I strongly suspect that about wraps it up for the Telegram ICO. Yeah, well, okay, that's the end of the decrypt article, <clears throat> but it's probably not the end of Telegram, or rather Telegram's ICO. It should be, but it probably isn't. Why? Because this space is filled with scammers. Scammers all over the place. Everyone in this space is a scammer. Hell, I'll even tell you, I guess I'm a scammer too. I, I mean, we're all, I mean, the. Whole, it's that bad. It is that bad in this space. In fact, you guys need to listen to uh, Crypto Economy. Let's see, I can't remember. Hold on, let me go ahead and pause this for a sec. Yeah, okay. It's Guy Swan, The Crypto Economy. This is one of the best podcasts. It is one of my favorite podcasts um and this episode is going to be a crypto quick read episode 367 and let's see if I can get the this thing to actually give me what it is oh okay yeah the name he's what he's doing he's reading a piece that was written by Matt Vanelli V A N A L L I I spent or I worked in crypto for two years and he and then he got out. Um, That was sort of like the the whole impetus. And what Matt wrote was a scathing, scathing, yet 100% truthful look at the crypto space. This 99.99% of where we live is a garbage dump. I hate to be the one to break it to you. But nothing is pristine and beautiful and clean. It's dirty. It's nasty. It smells bad. It, there's sewage running in the streets. It is exactly what you would think a frontier town would be. You got idiots getting drunk at the bar, coming out in the streets and having shootouts with each other, killing each other indiscriminately because they're pissed off that a poker hand went bad. its I mean, literally, you've got Listen to Guy Swan read this piece, because when I was reading the piece myself, I was like, dude, this is fire. This is total fire. It's even better when Guy reads it. OK, so again, that would be Crypto Quick Read episode 369. Did I say 67? I probably did. 369 is the episode for The Crypto Economy with Guy Swan, please do yourself a a favor. If you're going to come anywhere within three feet of this space, that is an absolute fire episode that you need to listen to because it will tell you everything you need to know about what the hell you're about to get into, okay? So honestly, again, do yourself the favor. This is out of the Daily Hodel. This was written, obviously, by the Daily Hodel staff because... They're all nameless, I guess. This is was written sometime yesterday. Millions of users can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, XRP on Brave browser through a new Binance integration. Uh, okay, it's actually kind of cool, except that it's shitcoinery. But the whole fact that, well, let's just get into it, okay? Crypto trading giant Binance and privacy-focused Brave browser have collaborated on a new integration that allows Brave users to trade cryptocurrencies through Binance, according to the announcement. "quote The new Binance widget in the new tab page of the Brave desktop browser makes Brave the only browser that offers integrated functionality for buying and trading cryptocurrency. With the Binance widget, Brave users can access the Binance.com and Binance.us for the U.S.-based users' sites, buy and sell crypto assets, view asset balances, and obtain deposit addresses all without leaving the browser, end quote. Says Binance CEO Peng Zhao, quote, The Binance widget on Brave's Brave's privacy-oriented browser instills a safer way to buy and sell crypto and also reduces user friction to onboard trade and interact with the Binance ecosystem. The widget will allow brave users to buy, deposit, trade, and manage leading cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Litecoin, and other shit coins supported by Binance. The Brave browser, which combines privacy with a blockchain-based digital advertising platform, has roughly 8.7 million monthly active users across the globe. Unlike the dominant competitor Google Chrome, which tracks you and your browsing history, Brave Blocks trackers, ads, and third-party cookies, making it an attractive option, particularly for cryptocurrency users who support decentralized platforms, privacy protection, and networking options beyond the control of big tech. So, trading the ability to lose your money direct in the browser. I'm excited about all this shit, right? <clears throat> wrong. Okay, well it does demonstrate something. It does demonstrate that we're going to probably start seeing a lot of the activity that you would normally have to go through a browser and then go to a website and then do a bunch of stuff over there at that way you're going to see like those back end things coming right into your browser where you don't really even have the sense that you're leaving that particular environment. Honestly, I feel bad for shitcoiners because it's going to make it all that much easier to lose money. That's all this does. Well, except the fact that it's going to that it demonstrates that more stuff is coming directly into the browser but be that as it may i wish it was something else i wish it was something like just buy bitcoin direct in your browser sponsored by i don't know swan bitcoin or something like that i like a good company but binance their coinery is astounding at this level but be that as it may the federal reserve is prepared to print 50 Bitcoin networks worth of USD. 50 Bitcoin networks. That's not 50 Bitcoins. It's 50 Bitcoin networks. Like the whole freaking network. You read that right. The Federal Reserve plans to print not 50 BTC worth, but 50 Bitcoin networks worth of dollars. This was written by Christina Combin sometime on the... Oh, that was today. That's right. Uh, For Bitcoinist.com, central banks around the world are firing up their money printing machines. The collective opinion seems to be that the best way to combat the economic effects of the coronavirus is by drowning it in money. That's me. That's not them. That's me saying that. They say throwing money at the problem, but I'm like, dude, might as well just dunk that son of a bitch right into a tub of money and let that bastard drown. After days of frantic discussions between both parties, An initial $2 trillion deal has finally been reached. This is a bipartisan agreement on a historic relief package for this pandemic, Senator Majority Leader Mitch Turtle McConnell said. But that's just the start. The Federal Reserve has pledged to print as much as $6 trillion, and there could be even more to come. Oh, there will be. There will be. Quote, of the total, $4 trillion will come in the form of liquidity from the Federal Reserve, while the remaining $2 trillion will be part of a proposed Phase 3 legislation from Congress. Probably three phases is what they meant. If the total assistance does reach $6 trillion, that would equal about 30% of the United States gross domestic product. There was no comment on the adverse effects of inflating the supply brrr, of dollars. We'll be able to watch the monetary system collapse once we've emerged from the ashes of this crisis. However, cypherpunk and core Bitcoin developer Jameson Lop, sorry, <clears throat> a little bit of corona there, put the mass printing into some nice perspective. Creating $6 trillion equates to nearly 15 Bitcoin's worth of dollars out of thin air. Quote End quote. So... What does this tweet actually go to show? Well, beyond the fact that the Bitcoin's hard cap supply can't be inflated and HODLers will never have to suffer a mass devaluation of their BTC, it also highlights just how small the Bitcoin network really is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's important for us to all step back and realize, drop in the bucket, pal, drop in the bucket. After all, if the Federal Reserve can simply print $2 trillion out of nowhere, Bitcoin's market cap uh, is—sorry, of less than $120 billion is just a drop in that ocean. We've still got a long way to go before Bitcoin reaches massive use. But with the widespread helicopter money raining from the skies, some people seem to be waking up at last. They're wondering where all this free money is coming from and what the ultimate cost will be. You can't imagine... What I can't imagine, nobody can imagine what the ultimate cost of this shit's going to be. It's not going to be good. When is it going to happen? I give it six years. Why do I give it six years? Because that's half the time it took us to get from 2008 to today 12 years. That's how long it took from 2008 to today. And you saw what happened in 2008. This thing dwarfs the whole 2008 debacle. So I'm thinking. That we're looking at a halvening. That's right. I get the feeling that we're going to go, we're going to have a halvening like starting. We we had a 12 year span and now I think we're going to have a halvening. We're at the halvening and six years from now it's going to have again because something's going to happen six years from now and it's going to suck. It's going to make this thing look like this thing makes a 2008 look. And then after that, it's going to be three years. And after that, it's going to be 1.5. And then it's going to be uh, three quarters of a year and on and on and on. So while Bitcoin's halving happens every four years like frickin' clockwork and reduces the emission of the money coming out of the system, yeah, you can see where this is going. (laughs) Whatever Also, in the same vein, in the same kind of news, we have this one out of the Daily Hodel staff for the Daily Hodel. This was yesterday. House Democrats dumped digital dollar in new version of emergency relief bill. Let's see what this one has to say. The idea of a digital dollar fueling emergency payments to Americans is moot. House Democrats have removed all mention of a digital dollar and a digital wallet in the latest version of its counterproposal to the Senate relief package reversing an earlier draft that included a new digital payment strategy the 1404 <laughs> page not found <laughs> uh, page re- revamped proposal take responsibility for workers and families act Is that what they named it? Jesus, you people suck. Has removed former reference to the digital dollar. A previous version outlined a plan to use a digital dollar that would have been maintained by the central banking system, sending relief funds to eligible U.S. residents via a digital wallet in an effort to mitigate the economic fallout from Corona. According to the current draft, U.S. residents would receive $1,500 per person plus $1,500 per child. Quote, economic assistance amount. Ex, uh, bleh, economic assistance amount. For purpose of this section, the term economic assistance amount means with respect to any taxpayer for any taxable year, the sum of $1,500, $3,000 in case of a joint return plus Fifteen hundred multiplied by the number of qualifying children within the meaning of section twenty four c of the taxpayer for such taxable year, not in excess of three such children. So if you have a family of four, you're fucked. whatever. recipients re- re- reaching one hundred and fifty thousand one hundred and twelve thousand five hundred and seventy five thousand dollar thresholds for a joint return head of household, and all other cases respectively would be expected to repay the funds. Oh my God. Whoop-dee-doo. Meanwhile, Democrats and Republicans are still working on a comprehensive emergency package worth upwards of $1.5 trillion. The developing bill comprises a number of proposals, including individual cash payments and emergency funds for hard-hit industries such as hospitals, airports, and public transportation. Wow, so they're <clears throat> they're they're saying that they're going to make you pay it back. You know what that means? This is going to be a shit show of circus proportions. Absolute circus. It's going to be so mired in dark, deep, hidden stuff. And not because people are like gonna you know, yes, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that figure out how to game that system. But generally speaking, I'm thinking of, the guy who's working on, you know, his job is fixing people's air conditioners. That's got three kids, not, you know, all that sophisticated of investor. And on honestly, how they how to pay back? Is it on the next tax return? Are, what are they? They're not. It's not going to happen. That's what I'm saying. This is just. This whole thing is a mess beyond epic. This is beyond epic. Okay. 2008 was epic. This makes 2000. It was like, but this is going to be like, what, like twice, maybe 2.1 times the amount. I just, and it's not going to stop at $6 trillion. And anybody who thinks it is going to stop at $6 trillion, damn near fooling themselves, but be that as it may, let's do this one. Um, Oh, oh, I know why we're doing this one. I was like looking at it. And then I remembered that we just read that they scrubbed the digital dollar out of the language. Well, check this shit out. Coindesk's, who's writing this one? Nicholas Day and Zach Seward have this piece right behind the scrubbing of the digital dollar. The U.S. Senate floats digital dollar bill after the House scrubs the term. From coronavirus relief plan. So as if the circus wasn't fun enough, we've got a draft bill post Tuesday to the United States Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs, and it defines the digital dollar and details how it might be maintained. The bill echoes language from a pair of draft U.S. House bills aimed at stimulating the economy during the corona outbreak. <clears throat> The bill, introduced by ranking member Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat of Ohio, is not proposing a crypto dollar but a digitized version of the existing dollar A process. Advocates, including former Commodity Futures Trading Commission Chairman Chris Giancarlo, or Bitcoin Dad, have called for to maintain U.S. financial hegemony. So I'm not even going to read the rest of it because you don't need it. What you need to know is that when the house scrubbed their version of digital dollar, the Senate proposed their version of the digital dollar. And honestly, all these people need to be thrown in the ocean with cement loafers. If you don't know what I mean, look at Italian mafia and cement loafers, Google that son of a bitch. And you'll find out what I'm talking about. Either that or we build a dam and we use them for cement stuffing. If you don't understand what that one means. Again, look at Italian Mafia and people disappearing inside of Cement Works. Just saying, bro. Working remotely. Okay. Eight essential software tools and their Web3 cousins. Here are our favorite apps battle-tested after years of working remotely, plus the Web3 dApps that could disrupt them. So, for all you guys that are having to work remotely... Here's a list of tools. I'm not going to read the whole damn thing, but I'm going to give, give you the tools and their Web3 dApps. That is, if I can do that, because this is the first time I've ever recorded a show with a beer under my belt. All right. So this was done by Amy Castor for Decrypt.co on March the 23rd. Like it or not, many of us will be working remotely from home for the foreseeable future. And a lot of us, especially here at Decrypt, I've been working remotely for years, but for others, not going into the office is a big change. To help make the transition easier, we've compiled a list of best-in-class tools that will enable remote work. But before we get into that, you should know that the problem with most of the stuff we recommend below is that in using these tools, you are now giving away all the details of your work life to Google, Zoom, Slack, et al., which is Latin for... And everybody, well, whatever. And while we tried to find Web3 alternatives, some are still hard to use and possibly not yet ready for prime time. We plan to take a closer look at some of them and others in the coming days. In the meantime, we hope for those in the blockchain world is that these Web2 tools are steps to Web3 apps that will soon provide much of the same utility and ease of use while allowing the user to control personal data Here's our list of the essential apps for working remotely. Number one, Zoom. It is for virtual meetings. Uh, Now, the Web3 alternative is Whereby. That's W-H-E-R-E-B-Y. And I've heard, I've personally heard good things about Whereby, but uh, thankfully it's not on a blockchain, but it adheres to European general data protection regulation and promises more complete privacy and security. So there you go. Now we've all, we all know this one Slack, right? It is instant messaging for companies. All right, all right, okay. So the web three alternative is Mattermost, Mumble and Blockstack, all right? uh, I'm not sure about the whole Blockstack thing, I kind of when I was into shit coinery, I was excited about Blockstack. I don't I, at this point. I don't really know what I'm gonna do with that stuff, but in in either event, uh, that's those are those are your Web three alternatives. Mattermost, Mumble, and Blockstack. Trello is next up, and that's for task management. And let's just read this particular uh, description virtual collaboration tool that organizes your projects into Kanban style boards. In one glance, you can see who's working on what and where something is in a process. As an example, let's say you are a media outlet. You can assign articles to a card and then drag the card through the various stages of production. Each stage represented as a column. So a card might move from assigned to writer to copy, edit, proofread production, and then to archive. That actually sounds pretty cool, man. I I might have to actually uh, check that shit out. Uh, The Web 3. Alternative for that is Drello, which is on Blockstack. Next up is Figma. It is design collaboration. It's a browser based user interface design tool that you can use to create websites, mobile apps or smaller UI components that can be integrated into other projects. The Web three uh, alternative is called Rimble. R i m b l e is good for the Web three framework. Uh, you know, so there you go. Uh, that that's that's going to do it for that one. <clears throat> Google Docs is next up, and this includes Sheets and Slides. Chances are good, you know what it does, but it's basically word processing, spreadsheets. And presentations. Let's see if there's a Web3 alternative. Graphite Docs. Graphite, like, you know, writing with the pencil, the lead, graphite. Graphite Docs. Next one on the list is Dropbox. It's a cloud-syncing service. You probably know what Dropbox is, so I will just skip that thing. The Web3 alternative here is Storage. That's S-T-O-R-J. Sia. Swarm. IPFS and p drive i myself am personally interested in the interplanetary file system ipfs if you've ever wondered what that stood for it's interplanetary file system i would i would check that out first if you're looking for the alternative next up is lastpass and that's your password storage service If you're storing passwords as a service, then the service allows you to store passwords. Need I say more? Uh, The Web3 alternative is Encrypted Box. It is also a block stack thingamajiggy, but Encrypted Box is the Web3 alternative for that. Time Zone Converter. If you're trying to figure out what time it is in Abu Dhabi right now, Time Zone Converter is your bag, right? So... Uh, the all th- there is no web3 alternative that uh, decrypt is listing here but they also seem to uh, say something about spacetime.am what i use is worldchatclock.com that enables me to look at multiple time zones in a kind of like in a circle pattern so that i can see where are like if i'm like maybe like let's say i want to interview uh Der Gigi or something um or hodelundot uh, he's up in norway right well i'm over in texas i kind of need to find out you know before i would even contact hodelundot or durgigi and i think he's in i think he's in germany but in either event they're both over there in europe like kind of like countries um, I would probably want to pitch them a time to talk that I would think would make sense for them, but I don't know what time that is off the top of my head. So I go to worldchatclock.com. Give it a shot, man. I really enjoy using it. It 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 makes uh, time zones around the world uh, look a lot, it makes it a lot easier to kind of keep up with. And the last one for part one of the morning roundup, right? <laughs> Not today, bitches. Feds battle one coin launderer's acquittal motion. Mm, Trevor Smith, writing today for Bitcoinist.com, says, the one coin thieves stole billions from naive shitcoiners, oh, I'm sorry, investors, by advertising a fake cryptocurrency that was, in truth, a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> The well marketed operation began in 2014 and continues to function, albeit on a much smaller scale. Scott, a former lock lord attorney with extensive experience in finance, began working with OneCoin in 2016. He made $50 million by laundering OneCoin profits through foreign banks. He used the money to fund a lavish lifestyle, you guessed it, that he frequently documented on social media. During his trial, he asserted that he did not realize it was a scam and that he was an innocent player. I'm just a bystander, your honor. In the criminal operation, the jury disagreed, convicting him on several counts of fraud last November. Facing up to 50 years in prison, Scott has appealed his conviction. Well, who wouldn't? Prosecutors have responded with a motion to dismiss his appeal. They state that the evidence against Scott was overwhelming, leaving no doubt as to his guilt. In addition to a lengthy jail term, Scott also faces disbarment. Quote, in sum, the court's instructions on the jury's consideration of materially fraudulent omissions were legally correct and well supported by Second Circuit law. Accordingly, there is no basis to grant the defendant a new trial on this ground. End quote. Two other players in the operation, Sebastian Greenwood and Konstantin Ignatov, have also been arrested by the U.S. authorities. Ignatov has reached a plea deal and testified against Scott in at his trial. Oh, God. Just freaking turncoats, bro. You can't trust shit coiners, man, because they'll stab you in the back. The minute they get in trouble. The mastermind of the operation, Ruja Ignatova, Disappeared in 2017 and is believed to be hiding in Europe, probably with a different face, considering what I've heard. Although the vast majority of crypto use is legal, much of the public associates blockchain with scams such as OneCoin. Crypto advocates thus face an uphill battle in convincing the masses of the benefits of this revolutionary technology, anti-crypto. Okay, we don't even need to read the rest of that one, right? Because we all know what this shit is. They're right. We're battling. This is an uphill battle. And we're going to battle all the way uphill until we get to the top of the hill. And then we'll find out it's not the top of the hill. It was just masking a different freaking mountain. And if you guys are not ready for the climb of your life, get out. Get out now. Run for the hills. Run. Do not walk to your nearest bank and lick the boots. Because that's what it's going to take. This has been part one of the snooze you can use. Ah, traditional markets never cease to amaze me. Let's start with CNBC.com/forward/slash/markets. Major indices are as follows: S&P 500 up 1.15 percent, Nasdaq down half a percent, the Dow Jones Industrial Average finished off up 495 points, or two and 2 or two and a third of a point. The FTSE is up four and a half points. Nice, guys, nice. Considering money printer go brrr. The uh, yields on the bonds, we have a 30-year U.S. Treasury bond at yielding 1.5%. Oh, please help me. We actually have the three-month U.S. bond at a negative yield, people, 0.038 negative. The German ten-year bond is negative 0.27. The Japanese ten-year bond is still in the positive territory at 0.02. Jeez, how do these people live with themselves? Oil is at 24 and a half. That represents a third of a point to the downside. Gold was up five bucks. So there you go. It's it's spot last was. $1,638. Is there anything else interesting here? No. Let's get into the stuff that is interesting. We've got Bitcoin at $6,677. We have a high over at Coinbase Pro at $6,693. It looks like our low is going to be at Coinsbit at $6,668. 206,000 transactions have occurred in the last 24 hours. Uh, Only 870,000 Bitcoin have changed hands on that. That is an average uh, amount sent per hour of 36,500 Bitcoins. The average transaction value is four and a quarter Bitcoin. The median transaction value is 0.05 BTC or about 330 bucks. And oh my God, it is an all-time high for block time. Well, I don't know if it's an all-time high. It certainly is the highest number I've seen possibly ever. 15 minutes and 50 seconds, y'all. Wow, that's that's interesting. And what's even more interesting is that the hash rate is down 10%, but it's still at 93 exahashes per second. What's going on? That should not elicit a 15 minute block time. Sorry, so I think there's probably something wrong with this number. We'll figure that one out when we get to my node BTC's uh, evaluation of the hash rate. But before we do that, 0.5 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. 42 BTC have been taken overall in fees in the last 24 hours. And the last time anybody didn't do dick on Bitcoin was... Sometime today, Ethereum is at 135. Bcash is at 220. BSV is at 172. Litecoin is at 39. Ethereum Classic is at five bucks. Dogecoin holding at 0.0018 dollars at 30,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. It does not beat Ethereum Classic, but it does walk all up and down. Charlie Lee's Litecoin. Now, what does my node have to say about the hash rate? the hash rate my node has is 82 exahashes per second which is significantly less than what uh big what was it uh bitinfo.com that's what that's what i use the mempool is stacked and packed we have 50 megabytes representing 35000 unconfirmed transactions chilling out in the kitty pool baby chilling out in the kitty pool nobody none of the miners seem to have been playing chicanery today all the last 10 blocks are full. Yeah, all the last 10 blocks are full. Now, let's see what's going on with the Lightning Network. This is going to be from bitcoin.clarkmoody.com. His dashboard has total capacity at 921 BTC representing 6.15 million USD in liquidity. The amount of nodes is 6 or the total number of nodes is 6635. Total number of channels is 36,105. Tor capacity is 369 bitcoins, and that represents 40.1% of the capacity in total. Tor nodes, the number is 1,917, and that's going to do it for vitals. Ready for the snooze? You can use number twos. Well, it is the morning, or rather the late afternoon roundup, part two. And we start off with the clown show. Unknown miners take over Bitcoin SV blockchain. Yes, somebody's taken over the SV blockchain. <laughs> Not exactly sure what the hell happened, but this was yesterday. It was written by Daniel Phillips for decrypt.co. Uh, Bitcoin SV is under majority rule by unknown miners. If it's a single miner, the network could be in trouble. Jeez, I mean, what does it have to do? Be nailed to a cross and set on fire to be in any more trouble than it already is? I don't know. Let's find out here. A mysterious mining pool has just captured the majority of the BSV network hash rate, prompting concerns about the security of the network. It's not secure. You don't have to worry about that. According to data by CoinDance, an unknown Bitcoin miner or miners has significantly ramped up mining operations on the Bitcoin SV blockchain in the last few days. This now accounts for more than half of the Bitcoin SV hash rate, computing power that secures the network. As of yesterday, March 23rd, unknown miners contributed a total of 1,576 petahashes per second of mining power, up from 730 petahashes per second just a week earlier, which is a 100% increase around the same time. A large amount of hash rate departed from CoinGeek, a company that advocates for BSV. It's seen a 75% drop in the last week. It's possible that some of the miners have decided to move from CoinGeek to another mining pool, but there are some differences. The unknown mining hash rate no longer processes transactions for the weather app that accounts for the majority of BSV transactions. Since this mining entity now controls more than 50% of the BSV network, it could theoretically launch a type of attack known as a 51% attack which can cause all sorts of issues, and God, I hope it does. If a 51% attack were launched, the attacker could do things like rewrite recently confirmed blocks, block transactions from confirming, and double-spend recent transactions. This is now the second time in three months that the Bitcoin SV network has seen a sudden switch from popular mining pools to individual mining or unknown pools, last one occur- occurred shortly after Tall and CoinGeek announced they would reduce BSV as or sorry BSV mining fees seemingly leading many miners to switch mining pools what the hell did you think was going to happen oh my god oh god this the clown show it's like getting run over by a clown car man it's It seems like it'd be fun, but it's not. It's still a car and you still got run over. And thank God I don't hold a big heavy bag of their shit. But this guy does. Craig Wright defends his Kenyan I am lawyer attorney. (laughs) The clown show continues with this piece by Christina Combat, writing for Bitcoinist.com sometime today. Since the coronavirus hijacked the headlines, Craig Wright and his lawsuit have taken a backseat, but rest assured the would-be Bitcoin inventor is still battling his corner. Now, he's officially objecting to the magistrate's order dismissing his Kenyan lawyer attorney privilege. In an official objection document in the ongoing case between Kleeman versus Wright, Wright states that the magistrate order on discovery was unfair. His lawyers claim that, quote, when no, I'm sorry, erroneously disregarded the attorney-client relationship between defendant and his Kenyan attorney based on preconceived and previously formulated conclusions of the defendant's character. What? That he's a fraud? A liar? A fraud? A liar? A forger? A liar? A fraud? I mean, what what part of his character? Whatever. Bitcoin has previously reported that Judge Bruce Reinhart was quick to throw out Wright's Kenyan lawyer's declaration. He stated that it had not been adequately authenticated. Moreover, he suggested that it has potentially been forged. Quote, particularly given my prior finding that Dr. Wright has produced forged documents in this litigation, I decline to rely on this kind of document, which could easily have been generated by anyone with word processing software and a pen. Ooh, man, that's some harsh shit from Judge Reinhardt there. However, in his latest motion, Craig Wright claims that he was unfairly treated based on his character and not on facts. Well, don't be a dick, dude. Quote, character evidence is of slight probate of value and may be very prejudicial. It tends to distract the trier of fact from the main question of what actually happened on the particular occasion. The order should be reversed and vacated. End quote. On top of pointing to several attorney-client privileges that the, older, wait minute, that the order breaks and assumptions of the defendant's character, Wright insists that there is no evidence to show that this document is a forgery. <laughs> <laughs> Love this guy. According, although judging by his track record, it's understandable why the judge took a cautious approach. However, Craig Wright insists that Mayuka's declaration should be treated in isolation. It should not be viewed as a forgery merely because other documents were found to be so. Quote, the declaration of Mr. Mayaka was not refuted or contradicted and there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that it is a forgery. Yet, the order summarily rejected the Mayaka declaration because the magistrate had previously found on a different issue that defendants submitted other forged documents in this litigation in quote the appeal to reverse the order was served on march 23rd by rights attorneys it's not clear how long it will take the court to respond or whether they'll take any of the complaints on board so that's the end of the article but it will be interesting to see if i would love to see it if judge reinhardt just walked the documents over to the nearest courtroom window and threw them outside because that's probably where they belong. It'd be even better if there was a raging dumpster fire with the bodies of several of his clown show in that thing that the documents fell onto fueling the clown dumpster fire. But be that as it may, we're on to different things. Why? You should consider a hodling Bitcoin during the COVID-19 crisis. So if you're scared to death, like everybody else seems to be scared to death of this freaking thing, buy yourself some Bitcoin, stay inside. Give you a reason not to spend it. Who is this? I don't know. Who the hell is this? Alex Leilicher is writing for Brave New Coin sometime today. When the WHO, (laughs) I love that band, officially declared the COVID-19 crisis a pandemic, all global markets crashed, including crypto. Bitcoin failed to function as a safe haven asset and was not spared during a mass global sell-off. However... That does not necessarily mean that holding Bitcoin is a bad idea during the current crisis. Since the beginning of March, the price of Bitcoin is down by 40%. And the digital gold failed to function as a safe haven asset when risky assets tanked across the board. However, that does not necessarily mean that it's a bad idea to have Bitcoin. In this article, you will learn why. Okay. The novel coronavirus pandemic is spreading across the globe and the global economy is slowly grinding to a halt. Asset prices have been... Reflecting that since it became clear that COVID-19 was no longer a Chinese problem, but instead a global crisis. <gasps> the racism. Stocks, corporate bonds, real estate, oil, most metals, and of course crypto assets have taken a hit as a response to the slowdown in global economic growth and the current market uncertainty. Bitcoin's recent 40% drop and its failure to act as a safe haven asset during a sharp drop in asset prices has sparked joy among Bitcoin critics such as vocal gold bug Peter Schiff. I'm not going to read you his tweet. I'm just going to go on. However, Shift does not seem to understand Bitcoin's key features, nor what type of safe haven the world's leading decentralized digital currency actually is. The Bitcoin protocol is designed to be censorship resistant. In fact, censorship resistance is probably its most powerful and innovative feature. It means that anyone who buys and holds Bitcoin actually owns the funds. Funds held in Bitcoin cannot be easily frozen or confiscated. All right, this is an aside. If done right, it cannot be frozen and confiscated. Don't be a dick, okay? Bitcoin is not necessarily a hedge against a market collapse when correlations and break or break down and investors generally move their funds into cash, but a hedge Against a widespread economic crisis that could lead to bank bail-ins, bank failures, or asset seizures. Yes, the price of Bitcoin could drop further. And yes, it may have been acting more like a tech stock than gold in the past few weeks. However, how much of your money would you lose if the bank you were holding it in collapses? If the global financial crisis in 2008 taught us anything, it is that banks can fail. Bear Stearns showed us that so did and so did Lehman Brothers. Moreover, between 2018 and 2012, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation had to close, my God, 465 failed banks in the United States. Depositors Insurance covers deposits up to 250000 but anything above that is hard to recover from a failed financial institution. Imagine if you hold a million dollars in your regional bank. And it collapses because it's not capitalized enough to withstand widespread loan defaults. In that case, you would abruptly lose 75% of your funds. Arguably, that puts a 40% drop in the price of Bitcoin into a little bit of perspective, especially since the price of Bitcoin can recover again. Now, you may argue that bank failures are unlikely. That's true. Okay. uh, And so are bank bail-ins, but... Cypriots experienced those in 2013 at the height of the European debt crisis. A bank bail-in refers to a bank using its depositor funds to recapitalize to avoid a bank failure in simpler terms. That means banks take a percentage of your money that you have deposited with them to save themselves, and there is nothing you can do about it. While this scenario may sound absurd, it is exactly what happened in Cyprus in 2013. From one day to the next, A one-time tax on bank deposits was levied and suddenly every Cypriot who had deposits in the bank had money taken away by their government without their consent. When Cypriots went to withdraw money from their accounts, banks were closed to avoid a bank run. No, that's not a scene out of a bank heist movie. This really happened and it could happen again. Why? Because the money you deposit in a bank is not really your money. It has your name on it. But it is the bank that is in physical possession of it. Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. Let's keep that shit in mind. Conversely, if you hold Bitcoin in a personal wallet to which you hold the private keys, that money is yours and yours alone. No one else can access it. As long as you hold the keys, it is your money. Should the fallout of the COVID pandemic pandemic, mean a global economic crisis worse than what we experienced in 2008, and to be frank, this seems to be the case, then holding a small percentage of your funds in Bitcoin in a wallet that you control is probably a wise thing to do. Bitcoin's censorship resistance means that even if in case of bank failures, bail-ins, cash shortages or a meltdown of payment systems, you will still have access to funds. Additionally, unlike gold, Bitcoin can also be used effectively as a currency. In the case of a meltdown of the traditional financial system, Bitcoin adoption would likely skyrocket at merchants and retailers across the globe, which could create a financial lifeline for yourself, your family, and your business. While this article paints a dark picture of how the world could look in a few months, we learned in the last few weeks that it is better to be prepared than to wait and see how things pan out. And part of being prepared for what could come could be hodling some Bitcoin just in case. So there you go. These guys over there at Brave New Coin in this particular one seem to get the whole point, right? Because that's the whole freaking point. Now, Now, I'm not even going to do that one. I'm going to go ahead and end this one with the CFT just defined what actual delivery of crypto should look like. Okay, Nicholas Day writing for Coindesk. Sometime yesterday, the United States Commodity Futures Trading Commission published its final guidance on actual delivery for digital assets. Tuesday, seemingly settling a longstanding question on when a cryptocurrency can be delivered from one party to another. The CFTC shared a 35-page document stating that, in its view, actual delivery occurs when a customer has complete control over the asset and the offerer no longer has any control over the asset by the end of 28 days after the transaction. Nice. That's actually, that's actually pretty freaking clear. <laughs> Hats off, bro. The publication comes following several years of public input from exchanges and other stakeholders. The regulator approved the draft on March 23rd, according to the document. How actual delivery is defined has long been an open question. In 2016, law firm Steptoe and Johnson, LL, oh, sorry, Johnson, as in Ma Johnson, LLP petitioned the F- CFTC after the federal commodities regulator settled charges with crypto exchange Bitfinex on trading violation allegations. The charges to stem from the CFTC allegations that Bitfinex maintained control over cryptocurrency private keys after delivering funds tied to margin trading and therefore the funds weren't actually delivered. The charges were settled with Bitfinex paying (laughs) $75,000. It's like, dude, that's like the money they spend on coffee for their offices a month. Jesus. Come on, man. Get some teeth. Steptoe filed a petition shortly after claiming the settlement did not provide any clarity to what actual delivery looked like. The petition argued that the definition of custody was unclear, which could be harmful to the crypto industry. Tuesday's filing might settle some of this gray area. Quote However, the commission notes that it does not intend to create a bright line definition giving the evolving nature of the commodity and, in some instances, its underlying public distributed ledger technology. Today's document said <clears throat> CFTC Chairman Heath Tarbert said in a statement that he does not believe the agency will conduct enforcement actions for the next 90 days around potential delivery violations to prevent any potential market disruptions. As firms abide by the new guidance, according to Tuesday's document, the CFTC defines actual delivery as having occurred when one, a customer secures possession and control of the entire quantity of the commodity, whether it was purchased on margin, using leverage, or any other financing arrangement. And... The ability to use the entire quantity of the commodity freely in commerce away from any particular execution venue no later than 28 days from the date of the transaction and at all times thereafter. And two, the offer and counterparty seller, including any of their respective affiliates or other persons acting in concert with the offer or counterparty seller on a similar basis, do not retain any interest in legal right, or control over any of the commodity purchased on margin, leverage, or other financing arrangement at the expiration of 28 days from the date of transaction. And that's going to do it for that particular article. But it is kind of nice that finally somebody stood up to the plate and delivered an actual clear message. Because the CFTC seems to be the only players in this game that, that are fairly clear about what it is that they either expect what they define how you know how things run kind of you know from that standpoint they actually seem to be doing their freaking job but be that as it may that's gonna do it for the snooze you can use Daily Trainwrecked is brought to you by Randy McMillan. That's at Randy McMillan. Yeah, that's with two L's there, pal. He's forwarding, he actually DM'd me this particular uh, tweet from Vitalik Buterin, who, let's see, uh, who apparently yesterday, uh, sometime in the afternoon, decided to say the following We should put resources toward a proper, trustless, serverless, maximally Uniswap-like UX, ETH-to-BTC decentralized exchange. It's embarrassing that we still can't easily move between the two largest crypto ecosystems trustlessly. I'm not going to play the sound effect. I'm not going to do it. Why? My shit ain't working. That's why. But also because, come on, man. I mean, geez, Vitalik, dude. The only thing embarrassing about this is your incessant need to latch on to Bitcoin. I know that it's like you're out there in the ocean and it's really cold in the North Atlantic, and there may be some sharks circling underneath you, but we're not we're not we're not in a position to throw you a life preserver if you had stayed on course and not got uh, your panties all in a wad and then wet your diapers and create this abomination that has lost so many people, so much money over so long of a period of time, then you probably would not be swimming with Sharkies out there in the North Atlantic. No, we're not going to give you a lifeline. I'm sorry. Your shit needs to just go away. And when you hit ETH point two with your sharding and your proof of stake, you're going to find out just how sharp the teeth on those sharks really are because they're going to chew you up with game theory. You saw, you've saw, you seen what happened with Steam. That proof of stake that you are staking your entire reputation and future on is going to be used against you in horrible, horrible ways. And I feel bad for you. I really do. But let's just dig a little bit deeper into this This is an article by Jack Martin from Cointelegraph. Vitalik proposes solution to embarrassing lack of Bitcoin Ethereum bridge. And he's writing this sometime very late last night. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin posted a tweet, which I just read, claiming that the continuing lack of easy movement between Ethereum and Bitcoin networks was embarrassing. Well, up yours, dude. As a solution, he proposed putting resources into building a decentralized exchange to act as a trustless bridge between the two. Buterin's plan calls for a DEX to be trustless and serverless with a user experience very similar to Uniswap. Uniswap is a decentralized exchange that runs without an order book, instead relying on asset pairs with Ether as a fixed base currency. As Cointelegraph reported, Uniswap has just announced plans to release a version 2 update in the second quarter of 2020, which will allow direct token to token swaps. Decentralized exchanges have struggled to gain market share against traditional exchanges despite being more closely aligned to the overall trustless ethos of cryptocurrency. Part of the issue has been a lack of liquidity, although a dedicated B- Bitcoin, Ethereum... Ooh, Bethereum. That's what we'll call it. We'll call it Bethereum. <clears throat> Sorry. Dedicated Bitcoin, Ethereum deck supported by Buterin may well see greater uptake only by shitcoiners, but whatever. Vitalik... <laughs> they actually spelled his name Vitalin. Uh, Vitalin suggested further. Oh my God, guys, check this out. Okay, Cointelegraph, dude, chill. You Read your shit. Vitalin suggested, further suggested that Bitcoin <laughs> was not the only potential destination for a DEX bridge from Ethereum and other blockchain ecosystems should also be up for consideration. Of course, because your entire existence is built on people holding heavy bags of worthless tokens. To end this off, Buterian specifically mentioned Zcash (laughs) as one example, saying that he has already had discussions to this end with Zuko Wilcox, a shit-coiner supreme of Zcash creators, the electric coin company. However, he admitted that they could both work harder to turn such talk into action. Please do. Please, for the love of God. Tie yourselves all together and throw yourselves overboard for the love of all that is good and holy. Tie yourselves together so that all of the sharks can eat you all alive, all at once. There's your smoldering pile. And you know what? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and give you the guys the joke. Mm, I got to take a deep breath here. Dad says jokes. Got a new job at the guillotine factory. I'll be heading there shortly. Get it? Behead. To, oh, tough room, dude. Tough room. All right. Chicken report. Chicken report. Took the chickens for the first time outside today. Because you have to harden them off. That's I'm, I shit you not. That's the term. Harden, harden them off. You know what else you harden off? Plants. If I have like, let's say that I start a whole bunch of seedlings inside like tomatoes. If I just one day say, oh, they're big enough to go transplant and I take them out from uh, underneath their nice cozy lights and they're completely stable, humid, you know, humid environment and the temperature never changes and humidity never, nothing ever changes. And I shove them in the middle of a field with like West Texas sun on them. You know what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. I had no idea, but apparently it's good practice to go ahead and harden off your chicks bef- like as they transition to get them completely to go outside. Because no, they're not living in the house with us. That would be stupid and irresponsible. No, they're going to go live outside. And I need them to go do chicken stuff. So today was the first day that we put them outside and they literally had no idea what the hell to do. They're just kind of like, what the hell is all this grass and stuff? It took them an hour to start pecking at the ground. An hour before they started scratching. I was like, oh my God, dude, this is terrible. So anyway, during this time, while we are transitioning them, my daughter and I are going to... We were going to buy a chicken coop pre-built and just assemble it on site. But... I decided that we would that I would show my my daughter how to kind of repurpose uh, materials that you find around. and we have an old shed that was out in the backyard. It has no there's no reason to think that it would fall down. It's been through several windstorms for the year and a half, or almost two years that we've been here. Um, it looks good to me, so we have been cleaning it out. and lo and behold, what do we find in it? A whole bunch of wood so the first thing that we're going to do is build a chicken tractor to tractor them around got any questions about that dm me otherwise stay tuned to this show and i'll tell you what a chicken tractor does but essentially for the short short answer it allows them to be outside but they're not actually in their coop and it allows you to move them around uh the grass to different parts of grass why you want to do that is what i'd get into on another show And we're going to repurpose the inside of the shed to make some nest boxes and some stuff like that that you need for a chicken house. And my daughter wants to paint, paint it. Yeah, she's probably going to paint it pink or purple. That's going to be really ugly. But hey, she can do whatever the hell it wants. This is her deal. These are her chickens. She's the one that wanted them. I don't get to pretty much, I I, I don't get to call any shots unless I see that the chickens are in danger. And so far, she's been really good with the damn chickens, man. It's been really damned impressive. But with all that said, I'm going to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.